Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Cast. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons, see what we think of them adult- as adults. Uh, but not today. Today we are doing our unprecedented second part in a two-part episode, which is also unprecedented. <laughs> we are doing a <laughs> scrambled segment, um, which by which we mean we're doing something in the non-traditional animation spectrum, and we have chosen Kid Rad as a HTML-based webcomic uh, with animated sprites. Yes, and we, we covered the generalities of how that works and what that looks like in the first episode. Um, we'll cover just the major plot points and themes because although, you know, presumably anyone listening would listen to the first one before the second, the second one, one, one is hopes. filled with so many good points that, you know, you might want to just get up to speed right away. Yeah, we, we if we wanted to, like... This is why we got everything out of the way the first episode, and I'm kind of amazed that you thought we could do the entire thing in one episode at first, before you went, uh, went back through it and realized how long this thing was. I, I knew not what I wrought. <laughs> you said that like it was an office place conversation. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, you know, he, he really uh, uh, rued the day that he crossed him. You yeah, know, a... yeah. Dude, did you... Uh, how do you how do you jam the copier? Oh, I just I knew not what I wrought. <laughs> <laughs> ah, cool. Uh, ah, oh, cool, do, Dave. Do, um, do you, you want to come out to the bar with us? I need rest at the end of days. <laughs> All right, so like maybe tomorrow then. We'll wait for the weekend, man. <laughs> cool. Tomorrow next we rise again. <laughs> yeah, Steve's in for for, for Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, welcome to the Carton Cats. <laughs> And, uh, okay, so, yeah, let's start by uh, reviewing basically what Kids Rad's about. I think maybe just do, like, a brief synopsis of what the web webcomic is to remind everyone, and then, yes. we, can, then we can start. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, yeah, to, to remind everyone, uh, Kid Rad is a sprite comic that was made from 2002 to 2004 by one individual, Dan Miller, with, I think, some help from his brother and somebody else. But uh, what's really novel about it is that it is an animated sprite comic in the manner of some other sprite comics that were contemporaneous that I don't think are very popular, so I'm not going to cite any sources. Um, but the twist here is that they were done HTML-based in order to cut down on loading times. And what resulted was kind of th- this comic strip format. You generally had like four different scenes, and you would press the next button to cycle through them. Um it started out as kind of a spoofy what if video game characters were self-aware kind of thing and poked a lot of fun at the video game medium as well as anime at times uh, but it then blossomed into like this weird like far-reaching macro plot with uh i don't know how would you describe it um a much greater impact than it had any reason to have so tv, TV tropes defines it as cerberus syndrome when all the characters suddenly become serious and like things shit gets real if you will pardon the term um things stop being comical and everything starts getting serious and what's really cool about kid rad is that it doesn't stop being comical but starts getting serious anyway mm-hmm. and the way it gets serious is with our main themes which are uh in general a couple of the themes that our characters work through um, are characters which are sprite characters on the internet from fake video games that Dan made up. Right. The themes are uh, being defined by one's programming and having to overcome your baser impulses, even when the baser impulses are actually telling you to do the right thing. 
Right, it, and it's it's done in a very literal sense. This uh, fate uh, mm-hmm. analogy, um, and it's explained, and we see in the last episode that we we did on this that they are in a large way defined by what they're programmed. Certain personal characteristics, uh, like their gravity and their hit detection, cannot be changed. So I actually like this a lot. Generally, I think that prophecy and fate and destiny are like the blight of all creative literature. I find that a plot that is relying heavily on a prophecy is a plot that had that the author just didn't care to fill the plot holes that he created or didn't care to properly motivate it. I'm, I'm, Did, um, I'm, I know that that's kind of unfair of me, but I just I cringe every time I see fate brought up here it actually makes sense because they literally are programmed to do a thing ben did you see uh, the show flash forward no wasn't that the one where everyone like lost their memories for like a 12 day period or something uh they lost their memories for like two minutes and saw six months into the future mm. um but what was interesting is you know it, it took a while to reveal but they it they weren't set destinies um, but it happened to a lot of people, and the way that it was explained is it's like barometric pressure. It's pushing you toward a certain result, but it's not necessary. Like, if you work really hard, you can avoid it. Barometric pressure is a terrible analogy for that. That's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's pushing you down into this little hole, and you can dig yourself out, but... The writers are just like, pressure pushes you, right? All right, the writing wasn't great. It's like so stupid. Now that I think about it, that might have just been my analogy. Why, they might not have mentioned just, barometric pressure. It couldn't have been barometric pressure. It makes no, no sense. Like, maybe at least have it maybe be like gravity. Maybe like a stream or a river or something. Yeah, I remember stream, barometric pressure. A stream is, a stream is better. <laughs> barometric pressure is pretty awful. Just in general, uh, take that barometric pressure. But anyway, they have this loose fate where they have not only... They're programming, but they also have these roles which they can or, you know, they can follow or respond against. Yeah, they, so, um, yeah, it's not fate in the, you have to be here at this point and do this action. It's more like your programming says that you are a violent killing machine, so that's what you do. Yeah, you enjoy this. You're built for it. Everything that you can do, every, every interaction that you have in the world is based upon the idea that you would go out and do this. Right, and so it's not really... It starts out as being this defines what you can do, and it becomes this defines what you're good at. And yes. seeing that switch kind of halfway through is what makes the makes the existentialism in this, in this comic really poignant. Uh, but it'll become very obvious what I mean by that. Not yeah. too long from now, so I'll I'll leave it alone. And in the first half, we deal a lot with people trying to either follow their programming or, um, you know, go out of their way to avoid it. Uh, whereas in the second half, we deal much much more with the idea like, well, each individual should have the right to choose for themselves what they want. Yeah, and that is summed up very nicely, um, pretty close to the end so we won't talk about it just yet he's fighting for freedom fighting for freedom zane can you briefly give us a rundown of what we covered the first episode um so our protagonist rad is a video game character he's a rude crude dude (laughs) uh and he and the other characters from his game are taken into a wider cyberspace where they have to interact with 
other video game characters in this society that is trying to be peaceful despite the programming of a lot of uh, uh, characters who aren't, as we said, aren't quite built for that. Right. Um, he has trouble fitting in. He... Uh, contemplate suicide contemplate suicide uh but eventually he finds purpose in fighting back against the moderators which is this totalitarian uh government that sort of runs out of control yes headed by this uh nebulous figure crystal whose machinations are not entirely known but she's obviously power hungry and is willing to do anything in order to seize control yes she has visited the steer which is a program which can sort of detect how the future will go, you know, following that sort of programming to its natural uh, limits. Well, the seer is just, he's an omnipresent, uh, almost transcendental entity in this world. Yeah, well, what I mean is that he can, he's, he understands other people's programming and says, okay, I can simulate in my mind, like, oh, if they're following their programming, they're going to do this. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Deterministic and, and such. Um, but so Rad and his uh, group of friends and allies go to the Seer as well to determine how to fight. And we find out that uh, the true nature of the world is that there is no true nature. Right. Just like in the end of every coming of age book, the world is what you make of it. And uh, what Rad makes of it is that uh, he wants a way to fight back against the mods. And he asks the Seer what to do. The Seer tells him go find these individuals who can sort of break the game, you know, who have special abilities that are not entirely, you know, kind of like the NPC in vulnerability. Crystal's trying to win with numbers. He needs to win with smarts. Yeah, stealthily, working between the program, seeing between the lines yeah, it's, of code. it's very, like, this This is very matrixy. It's a little matrixy. matrixy. Yeah. yeah it, no, it's, it's extremely matrixy. They even spoof the matrix later with, like, this red pill to take you farther, the blue pill sends you back, or this orange one for indigestion, and the yellow one for, well, <laughs> that's kind of personal. You know, they, they do a little spoof later. Yeah, one the, of the occasional fourth wall, fourth wall segments uh, yeah. come up kind of before anything big happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just when you don't Let's want Let's break them. our immersion for a minute. <laughs> like, like those commercials that popped up during the Matrix. Yeah. Neo beams down, and just people come up to him and like, have you tried the new chicken? Samuel Jackson pops in and talks about Allstate for a bit. <laughs> have you tried the new chicken? Nationwide's on your side, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, and I, and I guess that's where we left off. Oh, we should also mention that uh, Crystal has uh, received instructions from the seer that she just needs to achieve this goal that we don't know about yet but also her secondary objective is to kill rad yeah he's he's gonna screw everything up somehow yeah it, for what reason we have no idea because he's just a like kind of a, he's just kind of a <laughs> schmuck at this point yeah um but yeah so she attacks the seer's base so that no one else can ben benefit from his knowledge and Rad and the team are going to go to a new server reset where Crystal has not come yet and are looking in games for special individuals to help them yeah, fight. Looking at random. Yeah. Uh, and the first game they go into is Fighter Heroes 2nd Edition Turbo B. <laughs> yes. <laughs> made, made by Lem Studios in 1993. So this is where Dan is really having Spoofing. his cake and eating it too like this this <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> he's he's having the most fun here when he's spoofing a game at a time pointing out all of its flaws and then just 
whipping off to the next one. Like, the structure right. is very, like, hero's journey at this point, so they have to go through all of the towns, which tell him different things, and give him a greater understanding of the world that he's in without actually moving the plot forward. Right, and, and he gets to have fun, you know, not having to stay in these games very long. He gets to go in, as you say, make the jokes and get out um, in a really effective way that shows you the range of different uh, video game programming that can be exploited in this kind of battle that we're leading up to. Yeah, and, and also, like, I mean, we say that he just does jokes and pieces out. It's a little bit more texture than that. He actually has does a very good job of saying what he needs to in a particular game and then leaving. And that's right. sometimes just jokes, and sometimes it's to a point. Yeah. Often it's to a point, I would say. I like I like this joke, uh, the title of, of the fighting game, because it's making fun of all the different ways Street Fighter 2 was re-released. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. And um, that's, that's another thing. He's... Dan is giving us so many different like entrances to different games. We've we've dealt with a good number of sprites before. That number is gonna like exponentially explode now. <laughs> We're gonna be dealing with so many like individually crafted little little characters with you know their act with like actual move sets and things like that. It must the, have been such a hassle making all of that. Well, the way that he can integrate different art styles and pixel styles across different bit number games. Mm -hmm. Like mixing eight and twelve and sixteen bit characters kind of seamlessly, mm -hmm. um, but this game is the one where uh, another character, Captain Quarterback, was originally from. <laughs> yeah, and Rat doesn't realize that it's not the same Captain Quarterback. Like, right, this is one in game, and that one was one out of game. Who is hunting him down? <laughs> the, that's something that never gets focused. The idea that they're all copies. You know that there's many, many different Kid Rads. There's many different fighter heroes or whatever so there's you know untold numbers of these sprites that are right. exactly the same right um and since it's a fighting game he and his compatriots these much taller characters uh want to battle <laughs> yeah it pans out captain quarterback is their size everybody else is like twice their size <laughs> and also looks nothing like captain quarterback <laughs> yeah i think that i think this was sort of hedged in after the fact <laughs> No, they, they look so because Captain Quarterback looks like some sort of like Lego Superman, and, <laughs> and these guys are martial ones, artists. And all the other ones look dancer. like they belong in a fighter game. So yeah. Um. So uh, Rad says, you know, hey, we we need to get powerful people to come help us fight. Do you want to join? They're like, yes, of course. We love fighting. Yeah, that's like, that's it's in our names in that title. The name, uh, the name is in the was, title. And Rad says, yo, that was a lot easier than I thought. I thought you'd want to, like, fight to the death or something. Like, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> Why are we not fighting to the death? You know, everyone just really cleaving close to their programming. Rad's like, well, I do have to fight you before, you know, I gain this advantage. I can't just get it for free. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. we see how certain programming aspects, you know, exploit large numbers. We realize that our main party of Rad, Bogey, and Sheena actually, in some ways can exploit things themselves so in a fighting game you hit somebody they get stunned and you can combo them right and rad never has to stop firing a rad beam so he can just combo them into oblivion sheena can't take damage and bogey can just like remain in constant contact with the dude and they just completely waste them so so fantastically immediately they're just like wow okay you guys actually are not going to be any help at all <laughs> we're just gonna leave yeah and and even though they don't get anybody in this game 
it's a neat entrance to the cross gameplay interactions that make up the bulk of the second half of this of this webcomic. Right, and, and so that's mainly what Dan is going to be playing with. Is we just we're having fun seeing how the team starts to appreciate what whatever game they happen to be in at the time, and that's a lot of the time that there's some really funny jokes attached to that. In yeah, especially it, in the next one, and I like how they go about it in a very methodical way, like like learning their verbs for the first time again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we first take a detour back to uh, Crystal and the actual captain quarterback discussing the problem of Rad being at large. Um, Crystal is dissatisfied with quarterbacks bung- bungling and uh, imprisons him and takes control of the mods all on her own. I, I had forgotten that that even happened because it wasn't ever like captain quarterback was, you know... He didn't really act leaderly. I always just kind of had, like, yeah. it's stated that he outranks her, but I never got the impression that he was doing anything that she didn't want him to do. Right, and and this scene lets us so focus that, on that Crystal as our primary antagonist. That scene actually feels a little redundant to me. Like, I, I guess it has to happen plot-wise to have him get captured and to make the... Put in jail. Make the transition obvious, but it, it did just, hmm, I don't know, it just didn't didn't stick with me. Yeah, and um, Rad runs into Kobayashi again at Itty Bitty's uh, bar. Oh, yeah. And Kobayashi's just like, I could fight you again, but I'm kind of giving up on <laughs> myself. <Yeah. laughs> like, what are like, you doing here? Really what does anyone do this? slumped over a bar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like destroying people's lives with their, you know, kind of radical radical message. <laughs> Yeah, I mean a little bit, but I'm. It's not as though Kobayashi was all that sympathetic a figure. That's like, true. His purpose in life is now to kill this person. Like, come on. Um, but yeah, I, they go into the next game. Yeah, they, they hint about it again. He like misses spectacularly, and he's like, "Why must you mock me, third dimension?" And Rad's like, "Dude, how do you even dress yourself?" <laughs> just a, a a good question. Yeah, which is sort of explained later. Yeah. Um, but they go into another game, uh, Final Legacy 2, a yes. 1989 game by Oblong Creations. I'm, I'm glad that you wrote down all of these. <laughs> They're great. So this is obviously Square. Um, yeah, this is like Final Fantasy mm. RPG. Um, they analyze the conventions of a top-down RPG. Yeah, they, they mock the isometric presentation. And, uh, and uh, so, so, yeah. Soon, soon the hero comes along. Like, uh, Sheena tries to talk to everyone, but it doesn't last long before the hero comes along. This really generic-looking protagonist dude. Yeah, who, named A-A-A-A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just someone trying to breeze through the game. And he assumes them to be unique enemies. Like, he doesn't... He's like Rad was. He doesn't mm-hmm. understand that he's not still in his... That that not the status quo is not being maintained. Right. He says, like, oh, if I kill them, I'll get either a lot of experience or I can finally advance the plot. Mm-hmm. And we, he he attacks and they're, like, put into a battle subscreen, which they're not used to. Yeah, they're just like, what the, f- what the hell is going on? <laughs> and, and Rad is, like, kind of playing with it in a really comical way. He's like, check it out, I'm a mime. <laughs> like, he's, like, he's stuck in a box. He's stuck in a box on the other side of the screen. He tries to fire a Rad beam at the other guy and it just blows up on the box. Yeah, yeah. Combat now takes turns, um, and so the enemy keeps hitting Rad for one damage at a time. Um, of course, and, and uh, they're 
Rad and Sheena are really worried about Bogey because he can only take one hit before like dying for reals. Yeah, but fortunately, Bogey only actually does one damage because why would he be programmed to do more than one damage? He only does one damage to uh, to uh, the enemy, so he's enemy. not a threat. So he's yeah, he's not a big threat. But Rad is firing off these mega rads, but they keep missing. Yeah, he, um, apparently he's a very slow character compared I to this enemy. I don't buy that. That it's it seemed like kind of a Deus Machina to me. It's a plot necessity to raise the stakes, but like we always see him doing flips. Like yeah, he's definitely do. faster than Bogey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like. I mean, so it's it's it could be like a thing where it just doesn't translate well to that uh to that particular game. Like it's obvious in the because okay, so think about this: in the original Kid Rad game, he wasn't doing flips, right? He was moving at right. his regular walking speed, walking mm-hmm. and jumping. Probably no faster than Bogey in that regard. Maybe maybe a little bit faster. But he wasn't actually doing the flips and like crazy tech until he went into the cyberspace medium in general. So mm, it's I guess. not unreasonable that he would have like comparable speed values to Bogey. And it could be that the final legacy, like when they get put into that game, it just reads them as, oh, he's a big strong guy, so he has to be slow or something like that. Or it's taking advantage of a variable that doesn't exist for Rad. So, something like that. Yeah, it could just be happenstance. But I, I agree that it's a little bit... Yeah. It's a little bit unreasonable that it works that way. Yeah. And there's... um. There's some nice animation. This is where the animation sort of crept up on me. Yeah. That uh, was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, firing off an explosion and getting trapped in that little box or, uh, you know, the mime stuff. <laughs> the mime stuff is so good. It, it's it's getting more complex um, gradually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he's also just getting better at pacing it, um, at, at, pa- at pacing the animation. Um yeah, it, that'll, that, that, that becomes more obvious later on as well. Sheena is worried about Bogey getting killed mm. and tries to prolong things by doing nothing. Like literally. Yeah, just holding her turn so that they're Indefinitely. kind of stuck in limbo. Um, yeah. <laughs> which Rad forces her to break by just repeating the song. <laughs> her name is Rio and she dances on the sand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two hours later. Well, again, that's a that's a just very Sheena thing, a Sheena solution to have. I can't actively save the person that I want, then I'm going to do nothing to save the person that I want because that's that that that's her skill set is talking and standing without being able right. to, to interact. Um, yeah. So uh, plot wise, plot wise, Rad's like, okay, I figured it out. Since this turn based thing allows me to charge up as long as I want, I can just charge up uh, for a full Meg Rad every time I shoot. And so he does it, and of course he misses, but we know that his maximum attack is 255, right? In 8-bit, mm-hmm. the, the maximum value in an 8-bit game. Um, so he he's missing, and Chino's like, this guy has 270-something hit points. It's very probable that you and Bogey will die here, because your attacks aren't hitting, and you can't do enough damage. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I, you know, I think... I, I just gotta pray for a miracle. And uh, do you want to say it? His attack finally hits, but it does four thousand ninety-five damage. Yeah. So <laughs> the way this animates is amazing, actually. Like it, this would not have been that cool if it was our standard animation in the comic. But what it does is like I gotta pray for a miracle, and then the words fade away, and it gets all the screen gets all dark, and he shoots the beam with such a force that he's actually knocked backward. It follows the beam, or no, it doesn't follow the beam. He just shoots the beam, and it 
the camera pans it, over to the enemy and then just huge, this huge laser just engulfs him he falls down like burnt to a crisp style and then the number rises out of him 4095 and you're just like what the f- what just happened <laughs> oh the plot develops <laughs> yeah so it like this is far beyond rad's damage ceiling so it's yeah and it's like a it's a throw up your hands and cheer kind of moment like <laughs> i was really invested in bogey and i kept on thinking like oh what if the, if the enemy just decides to attack the guy with one hit point it's no good and so they get back to the ship and amp analyzes rad's code and he says oh it wasn't set to 255 it was just set to the highest amount which in the 8-bit game was 255 but in final legacy 2's 12-bit game it was a lot higher because they rise exponentially, which means that in a computer, the computer that they're in, he could do billions of damage. <laughs> so hang on just a second, because uh, there was a couple of moments back in that game that I wanted to point out. During that like little animation thing where he actually fires that beam, um, I thought that that was one of the few times where I felt the comic was really hurting for lack of sound effects. Uh-huh. Like, I think it would be difficult to implement in HTML, so it's not that much of a criticism, but if I could see this remade with like laser firing sounds and like sounds of impact you know really kind of invest me into the medium even more than the animation already did Uh, to draw you in more than to punctuate the effect yeah yeah pretty much um because the effect is already pretty pretty large like it's it's been stated many times what his damage ceiling is (laughs) and we just talked to the seer we know that there's things in his programming he can't change he's like okay the damage is probably one of them but the seer, the seer says there are rule-defying sprites, and it turns out Rad is one of them. So, wait, wait a second. I also had one more thing. <laughs> uh, just because this was, like, one of my favorite, like, little jokes, and it shows how quickly they go back, Dan goes back from serious to com- comedy, like, on the turn of a dime. After they finish the battle and everyone's just kind of dumbstruck, um... The other protagonist, the AAAA or whatever his name is, is like, quick, give me a healing potion. And Rad doesn't understand what he's saying because there's no such thing as healing potions in his game. And he's just, and then these like little cartoony rats come and like start feasting <laughs> on the guy's corpse. And he's just like, no, the rats, they found me again. Yeah, like he's playing Dishonored. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, how did the, how, why would the programmers design that? So... Oh. You know, there's just, like, I want to impress the point that things are getting more serious, but they're also staying very silly. That's true. Okay, n- now um, now we can go back to the... Yeah, well, back to the macro just assume point. that I cut in what I said. What is your reaction? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I guess, uh, well... Like, the explanation of why it's so high and that red is one of the rule-defying sprites. That, that seems like a... Uh, I'm not sure. I... I like it because I like Rad a lot and I don't mind him having a special power. But logical consistency wise, it's a little bit uh it's a little bit loose. Really? Like, uh, we already know that Rad has to be the same as every other sprite in a kid Rad game, yet Crystal yeah. has already said I only have to worry about this Rad, not kid Rads in general. That was a little confusing. I think it's explained a little bit in the next game they go into. Yeah, by what she means by different rads, but I agree, it's it's not clear. Yeah, I, I don't know. How did, did you feel a different way about it? I just assumed that maybe it was like a programming bug, or maybe 
you know, since they took him out of his game and collapsed it, that's the only one that counted? Or just like... Uh, I like the idea I that know. it would be... If it was just in one game, that'd be fine. But it's specifically this rad. Well, they pulled him from a ROM emulator, right? Oh, so maybe the emulator just glitched? That could be it. There, There is a... That's sort of the day ex machina in Kid Rad. Is yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too hung up on it. I'm not either, um, but it is inconsistent, and it's, you know, clearly used as a, as, as, a, as a way to get us to not worry about the ontology of, you know, sprites having sentience or existing outside of their games. Like, having, having this whole society is problematic just because it makes no sense. So well, it's you, you have to explain another... it away in some way. You, you did it in the Matrix, and you do it here, you know? It's problematic for another reason, because Rad, possibly one of the most powerful sprites in existence, mm-hmm. feels that it's a burden. It's just another way he can't escape his destiny to be a killer. Yeah, he's even more destructive now, and they're trying to fight a war, and it's, he's just like, I, I don't want to do this. And uh, somebody, I think Sheena says, like, it has this really, like, terrible line <laughs> Ter- terrible in that it's like it has like terrible weight to it which is rad the humans didn't mean it it was most likely an oversight that they made you this way <laughs> and he's just That's like not better <laughs> big comfort that is yeah and you know uh, that that of course that means our gods are as bad as us <laughs> exactly or that they don't care <laughs> like <laughs> one of two options yeah the, the it, it's like a scanner darkly thing <laughs> like that there's no good way out Ugh. So, I don't know, I, I like him having this kind of infinite destructive power because of how it lets the rest of the game articulate, but... Uh, it's it's backshelved for a while. It's Yeah, and, it, and it's just kind of like a... It's not the most elegant way you could have fixed it, but it, 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 is, it is a way that articulates well in the rest of the yeah. plot. And it does give us an explanation for why Crystal needs to destroy Rad and how he could destroy her, her plans, and we go back to her... Oh, yeah, and, and it also tells us how he was able to blow up that mod ship earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't precisely. It, it, you'll It'll see later lose. why that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But we go back to Crystal. Her power grab is nearly complete, but she still doesn't feel safe without Rad in her clutches. <laughs> and then fucking Gnarl shows then, up. I didn't realize he was going to be in this. <laughs> I forgot about him. Like, who is this guy? And he says... You know, Rad is my brother, but I'm also a boss monster. I can detect him from a distance. I know where in my level he is. So if we're on the same server, I can find him. Right. And so he's like, uh, I can help I can help you locate Rad. Just give me a ship and I'll be on my way. You know, th- She's like, what's, what's in it for you? What do you, you know, why do you want to do this? And and he's like, yeah, I was, I was born to fight Rad. It's what I enjoy. Yeah. Well, even without that, we kind of know... Even without him explaining it, Crystal understands exactly why he wants to find Rad. Because Crystal is kind of like a big proponent of this fight your programming kind of idea. Like, don't play the roles that they had us play as as uh, as characters. And yeah. Narl approaches her with this useful thing and is like, I want to do the opposite of what you want. <laughs> like, I want to go counter to your ideals, but it's going to help you. And she's just like, fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Don't fight him though. He's like, I'm, I'm gonna. Well, yeah, he, he like he doesn't even like apologize. <laughs> like he doesn't say that he's going to, but he doesn't hide the fact that he's gonna fight him at all. Yeah, he's he's got this excited animation where his hands and feet are just like kind of 
yeah, moving just... up and down like he's so pumped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we do. It is revealed why Crystal is so against programming. She was just a simple enemy sprite in an RPG, born to die. Yep. So like she's she wants to not be, you know, beholden to that fate. Final Legacy Two RPG, in fact. Yeah. Because the same protagonist shows up in a later scene in one of her flashbacks. It could be one of the other final legacy in the series. Well, okay, fine, Zane. <laughs> Remember, they brought back Cloud, and then... <laughs> <laughs> well, fine, Zane, that's fine. No, it's good. Um, good point to make. <laughs> ba- back to the games. Sure. Uh, so, uh, going back to the ship, we now have... I guess we're just, like, we're doing the uh, the side character roundup. Um, we have a quick scene where Bogey feels left out. Like in, in the last yeah. game that they brought him into, um, he he could have died at any moment if the character had just chosen to attack him instead of Rad. Yeah, and, and they decide to leave him behind. Yeah, and it's it's, just, it's pretty rough. Like we we know and like Bogey. Bogey has been a major contributing presence in the most of the game so far, and he gets really introspective and kind of depressed. Yeah, um, he, he gets sad a lot. We, we get, well, we get take a take on how he is looking at everything. Because before, in Hopetown, in in the original server that he and Rad were living in, he was actually the contributing member of society. But now that they're forced into a war, he goes back to being what he was programmed. Like, it seems like Mm -hmm. when society breaks down, when there is, like, this war that happens, we have to rely on our instincts and inner natures more and more, like our base programming. Which is a generalization and extension of this theme that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Like how war changes us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well, it, it, one character gets extremely dark about it basically uh, being a soldier just yeah um but yeah he, he's he's become a because of the nature of their conflict right now he has forced to become a useless minor enemy sprite again mm-hmm. you know very like no, no move set to speak of low low defense low attack can't really contribute yeah even though he's like he's argu- very smart arguably one of the smarter characters in the strip um and it's sort of a variation on how rad takes his power like he's becoming what he was programmed to be but he laments the inevitability yeah like if they win like that's not even great for him anyway no they're, they're not doing it on their terms they're they're forced into a conflict that runs counter to what they want to be doing which i guess is just the nature of war anyway <laughs> yeah means to an end sure so uh yeah dan continues his exploration of these different uh these different these different old video games that he likes? To, <laughs> to a really unexpected one. Yeah. Uh, this is Kid Rad 2, the 1988 sequel by Sosumi Corp. Mm-hmm. And they Sosumi. Meet, That's they pretty meet, good. They meet their doubles and see how their powers diverge completely in a not-so-subtle dig at Mario Brothers 2. Yeah. Like, so now Rad can stand on bogeys. <laughs> and throw them. And throw them. <laughs> and Rad in Kid Rad 2 has a mullet. Oh, it's so good. It's the ladies. It's it's, it's the latest latest. hair technology. Yeah. Uh, And Sheena also gets an attack mode. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) so in in this game, Sheena is a a possible character to play as, and she can get a power-up, which allows her to throw pink Mega Rads, which are like Rads, but pink. Yeah. But it also... uh, there, there's a little bit of platforming that they do to try to get to a power-up to see if it would actually help the characters, and it goes bad when mod ships arrive and attack the game. Yeah, so this damages the code of the game. Yeah. Um, just and ki- killing the new Rad, the damage and glitching the new Sheena. The best thing happens, which is 
the title screen changes and it's like glitching out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, the title screen has been different for each of these different games. It has been, you know, Final Legacy 2 or Fighting Heroes or whatever. Yeah, and and the and title now it's screen Kid Rad 2, but it's like glitching out in random and the, spots. And the landscape and all that, it's glitching and we were taught what glitching looks like and what it means earlier in the in Yeah, the when, when Brad took drugs. Yeah, dr- dr- drugs are bad kids. <laughs> And so the doubles both die in the explosion, and what's weird is that you actually kind of feel it because of how the original Rad and Sheena react. Like, this is, like, they're, they're playing, you know... They're the, looking at themselves die, and then yeah. they have to die again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and they're all, yeah. So the comic gets real in a hurry, which is, you know, it's a little bit forced, but it's also fine. They prepare for death, they're talking about regrets, you know, <laughs> did, did you ever want to kiss and they like get close together <laughs> they don't say that yeah i know they're totally like hey did you do you want to gonna... die a... <laughs> do you want to die a virgin <laughs> it's like independence day Zane. yeah just like independence day um but then they get right back to the physical comedy as dr amp tries to get rad to do a ridiculous some ridiculous motions in order to access a cheat code yeah, so apparently he can activate code. his hoverboard. Yeah, there's a cheat code in Kid Rad 2, which is called Infinite Rocket Board Mode, by entering the the phrase, are you rad? Which That's is, great. Which is, it's, it's pretty cool. It reminded me of, uh, it reminded me of that, uh, up, uh, the, the, uh, the Konami code that, uh, yeah, yeah. that they use sometimes in, uh, in Konami games for 30 lives. Or, like, uh-huh. in Kingdom of Loathing. And it's great, he just, like, Hops on a new hoverboard. It's very touching. It's a re- it's like it's like his dog. Yeah, he's like <laughs> I missed you, baby. Um, um, and and, and they, they hop out. Yeah, they, they 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 manage to escape just in time. But there's a bunch of mod chips waiting for them. Completely outnumbered. And this is the point at which some some somewhat uh somewhat incongruously Sheena transforms into a magical maid Robo Sheena. All right, a little explanation. <laughs> she she gets. A message from her sister, you know, the the one from Kid Rad 2, uh, whose code merged with hers, meaning that she lives on as a ghost. And that lets Sheena access her other form, the the maid. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so she can fire Rad's 2, but also has access to a screen-wide wipeout effect. Pretty Armageddon. Pretty Armageddon. The animation's good. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and they're just... Of course, Dan is, like is very tongue-in-cheek about this whole thing. He's just like, okay, we're going to make her a magical maid outfit. <laughs> it's like, And then do pretty Armageddon, which is like this huge pink energy Destroys blast. Destroys all the mod ships. He's just making fun of Japan right now. <laughs> well, yeah. We expect it at this point. So there's a couple things here. Um, because Sheena has been, you know, merged with her sister's code, which don't worry about how it works. When glitching happens, you just have to let the comic tell you what's going on. Oh, right. Uh but what this does is it gives her a dual nature. And she does have a dual nature of wanting to uh, of wanting to um, accept her programming, you know, talking to everyone and things like that, and going against it. Um, so it, it gives it gives the dual nature kind of a manifestation. And at the same time, you know, she's transforming into this different person. Rad's getting this infinite hoverboard mode. The idea that they need to improve beyond their original programming is implemented throughout the entire, throughout these trials. No, like, it's so great because, like, they've been into three games, 
and have not recruited anybody, but they themselves are becoming more powerful. Kind of like, like this wasn't how we were expecting them to power up for the final confrontation. Mm-hmm. They kind of power up behind the scenes, and by the end of the of the run, we're like, oh, where did all those powers come from? Yeah, and they, they oh, don't yeah. have stats, you know? They're platformers, so of course they don't have stats. So but I when like you add to th- everything up. I like to think that this is the point at which Dan was saying... These are my main characters. I want to have them be important the entire time. How can I make that happen? Enter Kid Rad 2, where, you know, it requires this infinite hoverboard mode, and Sheena gets this alternate uh, mm-hmm. avatar. Um, she also gets a personality split. Uh, most prominent in that uh, Sheena Prime likes Rad, and Sheena Dose likes Bogey. <laughs> uh, and also just uh, the, the, the latter is... Kind of immature, and Sheena's always been very proper. Because <laughs> she's a couple of years younger. That's yeah, great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was made in 1991, not 1986. Or whatever. Um, but despite their victory, the server of Reset was taken, mm-hmm. and there's even more mod ships, so they have to run away yet again. Yeah, again, I, I love that the heroes are running, and Rad doesn't like it. So it flips back to Mod headquarters for a second, showing us yet another of the characters that we forgot about. Yeah. Itty Bitty um, is captured. Who, If you guys Itty don't Bitty. remember who Itty Bitty is, he, he's the black one. <laughs> That's the half black on his top side. Yeah. Yeah, he's a top sider, uh, they call him. And he's there along with Captain Quarterback and G.I. Guy, the uh, founder of the moderators. Yeah, it... So, uh, Kevin Quarterback has been, like, frozen by Crystal, because she, like, reflected his freeze beam back at him, and has frozen him. Why does he have freeze powers? (laughs) He's he's frozen him for months. Um, and he heals Quarterback of his status ailment, because he's kind of an inventory sprite. He's he's a shopkeeper in his own game, so he's got a bunch of (laughs) power-ups. I love when... Itty bitty is when uh, Captain Quarterback is like, you look really gross from this angle. And he's like lying down and looking up at him. He's like, oh, yeah. I like that uh, a little I, bit. Um, I got to pause for a second. Well, not pause, but we have to stop for a second. Yeah. I think there's a rave going on downstairs that I need to get to the bottom of. <laughs> okay. Because it's, it's probably coming in in the background and I don't want that throughout. Yeah, man, do your beat. Yeah, but Itty Bitty has, like, infinite items and keys as a shopkeeper sprite, and they use them to break out. Uh, they don't escape just yet. Oh, they. Oh no, uh, yeah, you're right. But uh, what, what happens now is they cut back to Rad's group, whom are being charged at with a unfamiliar ship at breakneck speed, and Re- and uh, Narl comes in. Enter Narl. <laughs> and I love Rad's reaction. It's like, okay, fine, let's get this over with. I don't <laughs> yeah, have time yeah, for like, you. Oh, we have... <laughs> we have bigger things to worry about and like everybody's trying to say there's no reason for you to do this and Rad is like i i understand what he wants like I this is it. the only language so, he speaks yeah yeah <laughs> i just have to i just have to talk to him with my fists for a minute so th- this is where they go outside and kind of have it out like gnarl's like this is what i was made for this is what i want to do is fight you yeah talking, and I talking through the that. i haven't been able to live so this is everything to me and and rad is telling him that's as misguided as what crystal wants to do to separate (laughs) everyone from their program like there's a middle ground here people yeah and yeah it's the broad conveyance upon this theme of fighting your programming that gives it its power everybody is doing something different with this theme it's not 
enough to say it's good or bad with the one character. It's not an incisive look at this one person. These these characters are not that complex, right? They have sides to them. They have facets, but they're not that complex. What is complex is how they each are a different side of this idea. Or even evolving sides, because what Rad does is he says, you know, I'm able to choose when to follow my programming and when to ignore it. And because of that, he's grown, whereas Gnarl has stagnated. Mm-hmm. And Rad and, just and wins super easy. It's weirdly gratifying to see how much Rad has improved. Like, we're used to seeing a hero get outclassed by a villain, but Gnarl isn't really a villain anymore. So it's just kind of like one friend telling another friend, nah, dog, you're... You're not you're not cool like you think you is. And Rad's showing off the cool things he does like, yeah, my mega rads can do however much I want if I just charge <laughs> them longer and I have a hoverboard. Also, I can fly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he just leaves Gnarl completely defeated and then just leaves, like wishes him the best and like, you can join us, but like, get your shit together, dog. <laughs> yeah. So there's a point here. Gnarl views having to abandon his former programming is like the cruelest possible fate. Even though everybody, including the audience, knows that it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so the analog with real life here is pretty obvious. Like progress comes with pain. That like it, we only improve through sacrifice, through hardship. So, and he hasn't had to face hardship before. He just stands in a room and waits for everything to be handed to him, quite literally. Whereas Rad, you know, when he left the game, he did what he did in the game. Nothing unless the player told him to. Um, right. And he's already had to deal with that introspection. Yeah, and yeah, and we know that it hasn't been an easy road for him. Um, yeah, so I really like that. Gnarl departs. He's like, it'd be too much like being in the old game if I stay with you guys. I'm just going to leave for a while. Mm-hmm. And we now we pan back to the mod headquarters where G.I. Guy... <laughs> shows up yeah he (laughs) what do you have to say about gi guy so he's like this skeleton in army fatigues he's a cross between a a a gi joe and doom guy from the doom series (laughs) and he is like you you can see him in action up you know with captain quarterback and itty bitty he's very goal focused he's very competent capable Everything he's like a paladin he does, gone wrong. Everything he does or says is just like faintly sinister. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's a uh, he he's he's like a paladin gone wrong. Like we know that there's something up with him, but everything he's doing is toward a good goal. So we're not really sure if we want to call him out on it. Yeah, and uh, the three of them escape Hope Town, and uh, they show off their unique skills. Yeah, we see him fight a bunch, a bunch of mooks. mooks. Yeah. So, Interestingly, all the mooks are little army dudes, and we see later it's because GI Guy founded the mods because he was the first one to break outside of his game, so he recruited everyone from his game right. as kind of a, you know, soldier that's in his army. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of cool, <laughs> and I like it a lot. I like the animations that Itty Bitty gets in this because they're really creative. That You know, they deal with his half-absent nature. In a way that makes it seem like there's just an invisibility towel around his lower half. Yes. <laughs> like, he'll duck behind it and just be completely invisible, like, if he's hiding. Yeah, and he can cheat and, like, throw people or knock them off, like, right, knock them against right. each other. Because in the internet, he kind of has his he his physics shift. Like, in the same way that Rad can do, like, crazy flips or whatever, he can, like, pick up objects, including other dudes. And those dudes have their own physics, which says, like, if I'm thrown hard at something, I will take damage. 
So Itty Bitty isn't really damaging things. He's just manipulating his environment in a way he never could in his own game. Yeah. Which is satisfying. Like, I, I like to see... You know, I like to see characters that I like being capable. I, I think well, that Itty Bitty is really... Two out of three of them are being capable. <laughs> well, Captain Quarterback is there just as a team mascot at this point. <laughs> Go team! Freeze powers, yeah! I love his scream face. <laughs> Itty Bitty is, is kind of a home run for me, though. I really like him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, anyway... On to the next game. Escape. Yep. <laughs> like, I, I love how that, like trinity happens like captain quarterback itty bitty and gi guy like none of them have anything to do with each other (laughs) yeah and kind of like you were willing to ignore them for the rest of the of the story like okay (laughs) these were side characters that got us to where we are now yeah and now they're forming their own posse (laughs) and it's like kind of a fun pot like except with the exception of rad i think that all of them are more interesting than the main group they're more powerful too at this point oh not captain quarterback uh, <laughs> against bogey i think that's a fair fight <laughs> um but the next game that the main party goes into is old daedalus uh, yeah, the so 1986 is... classic by Sevate go productions so this is uh what is that a spoof of uh kid icarus okay old daedalus kid icarus. yeah so this is a really old like original NES platform RPG mashup, I guess. It's like yeah. a, it's like a cross between Bubble Bobble and Deadly Towers. Yeah, you just jump from one room to the next and fight things. Yep, mostly slimes. Yeah, they're attacked by these green oozes, which paralyze Rad. Um, Sheen is not affected because you know she's an NPC. Um, and Bogey shows off his use. He is going through the code of the game and reading the .txt files. Yeah. <laughs> to so, find the FAQ. Yeah, so he, he's being like the, the beta nerd shut-in that we've all known him to be, and he's like reading FAQs for in his spare time. <laughs> he's, he's reading game facts. Yeah. <laughs> Posting on the message boards. Yeah, about exactly. How, about yeah. how Shino should really learn to go with a nice guy like him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't even have anything. You made the joke. There's no. There's only one joke to make, and you made it. Um, so they learn about the avocado curse. Yeah. Okay. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to stop you there. Like this. This whole section seems extraneous to me. Yeah. Like, like what do they get out of it? I mean, there's exactly one purpose to this. Shat, Rad gets slimed by the avocado curse, and so Sheena and Bogey have to go in to the game and try to find somebody like bogey uh, shows that he knows that there's somebody who can cure it inside yeah, the, the nurse so he nurse npc yeah so he accompanies Sheena in to go there and it gives them a chance to kind of talk about what sheen has been going through lately and that's the only reason that this scene is even happening um i mean you also get the nurse joining the team who gives a shit <laughs> you learn that bogey can read text files zane <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. It's it's not as weighty, but it is you pretty get to short. say avocado curse, which is I, definitely a plus. I love that, and I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's not just like slime. It's like, hey, this thing's green and kind of mushy and round. Yeah, it's like Dan went through, like, he, he wrote all this up and then, like, right-clicked and is like, okay, synonyms. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the, it's the, like, weird specificity of those old games. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, so Bowie and Sheena talk out her mixed emotions. They about, have heart to heart about Sheena's sister who... Who likes Bogey. Yeah, she's having conflicting emotions, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because she's like, now two people. I, I like to think of it as this is just how she operates now. I don't like to think of it as, like, you know, a ghost infecting her consciousness. Because it's no, yeah. a little bit less relatable. It's It's an expansion of her character that hits all at once rather than a little bit at a time, which is how, like, people normally grow. Sure. Yeah, and... Mm, it's, it's troubling. Take some getting used to. Yeah, it's troubling because it's a part of her now. It's an inextricable part of her, and she's got this cognitive dissonance. And you know, it's it's related to the idea that as we mature, we there are aspects of ourselves that we'd rather ignore but can't. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think it might even be a little bit of author projection. Like Dan, it, as he as he grows up, he's like, mm, I still like games and cartoons, so I'm going to incorporate them. Yeah, you know, coming to terms with your younger self. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's things that you have to discard as you mature and things that you don't want to discard and would actually be bad to discard. And she's having a hard time figuring out which is which. And that's on top of the whole, I really should be fighting my feelings more than, you know, I actually am. My programming says, you know, I'm supposed to like Rad. My programming says I'm supposed to be an NPC. This new side of me says I'm not supposed to like Rad and that I'm supposed to fight. Yeah. And I don't like that side of me. I want to just be my programming. Like, she, she's having a rough a rough go of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and you know, they, they don't do all that much more with it after this. But uh, I, I like that they're giving... They're that giving they're her giving a little bit of time. spotlight. Yeah. They're getting Rad out of the way so that she can kind of talk about what her side of things are. Yeah. Because uh, hers are definitely more interesting than most other characters. <laughs> um, and they also bring the nurse back on board, and she's one of those uh, top half only NPCs. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, at, she's she's a top haver. At this point, she falls in love with Itty Bitty uh, as he and Captain Quarterback and G.I. Guy board the ship. Yeah. Were, were you just imagining them just jerking each other off the whole time because we no. can't see their hands? No. Oh. Although they do make the joke, like, hands where we can see them. <laughs> yeah. Hands where they exist. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so just all the characters that we know just co- collide at well, the same moment. Well, it's weird because like, we've been in and out of four different games, and we got four NPCs that are different, but we weren't expecting it to work in the same way. Like, <laughs> this yeah, isn't it's how a we nice were expecting to grow our brand. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a nice subversion. Like, you never go into a game wanting things to work out exactly as they're given like you say go to this place and get this artifact and you get the artifact and it feels kind of weak but if you try to get the artifact and it's stolen by this sweet ninja you're like oh cool plot thickens so like it's nice that he's not cleaving to the formula so precisely as to just give them characters from these different games that would be really boring speaking of sweet ninjas um (laughs) we see kobayashi and narl uh, at, at a bar, each independently lamenting the fact that they'll never be good as mad, <laughs> and they overhear each other. Like this is okay, fine. Oh man, I love this because like we just got rid of the side plot characters. They're like, okay, we're joining up with you guys now. You don't have to worry about us anymore. Whenever we're talk, whenever we're talking about <laughs> you guys, we're also gonna have us. Lo- we're not given like, separate scenes. We can focus on the main plot. <laughs> you are like Kobayashi guys... having a pity party in a therapy session. No, I I love what you just said about the other NPCs that just joined. It's like, okay, you guys are being promoted from side characters to main characters, so that we don't have to look at you again. <laughs> this was happening. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> we keep on having to jump back and forth. Right, which is fine. It, like, it hasn't gotten in our way at all, but at this point, we're kind of rounding a corner toward getting an actual collective together and leading up to the final moments. Let yeah. Me, we're not quite there yet, but, no, but the, um, the point is... <laughs> Yeah, Narl and Kobayashi Nar- have a chance meeting, and after saying no homo for a few times, they talk about their... <laughs> well, there's, there's certainly homo. Like, there's, there's at least a little homo. <laughs> yeah. There's just sprites saying they don't even have genitals. It yeah, doesn't they don't matter. need them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but they also use uh, their frustration against Rad as a motivation to train, and we learn a little bit about Kobayashi's game and programming. I love how it's phrased that... It's, it's phrased as a psychoanalysis session, like finding the root of Kobayashi. Kobayashi has had this huge mental block that prevents him from attacking things in a 3D setting. And he's, he has to go back with interacting with them normally. Yeah. It's just attacking. Like he has to go back to the root of his problems. He has to go back to his childhood so he can overcome it in his adult. Like the analogy just keeps on giving. <laughs> um, we learned that he was from an old Flash game, two thousand and one's Ninja Bash. Yes, as opposed to one of these, you know, retro games. Um, and in the game, he would only do useless attacks until if the player took too long, he would kill them for real. And the actual game was just designed to hit kobayashi in a manner of different ways just because Mm -hmm. like it's very simple flash game and it's another example of humans are assholes um and narl tells him and kind of comes to the realization at the same time listen there are certain things about yourself that you can't change but you can choose you know what parts of your programming you follow so you can use your useful attacks instead of your useless attacks and while he's talking narl's like Oh shit! I can like I can follow yeah. parts of my programming too that <laughs> I've been ignoring. Oh, <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's funny to have a character in the game that's doing exactly what we are doing right now. <laughs> I think that interaction's really great, though. <laughs> I, I like these characters a lot. I like they Kobayashi each other. a great amount. Yeah, their their interactions and their bromance really works for me. <laughs> yeah like it's believable mm-hmm. and again very homo i mean these are two buff guys at the gym who each got independently beat up by the same buffer guy and they're like oh i'm gonna train so hard yeah. bro oh man your pecs looking real good today man thanks dude <laughs> butt pat uh, for good luck yeah <laughs> all right um anyway uh yeah I, I like i like both of them a whole lot and having them meet up is is really nice um, yeah. But again, jumping back to the main cast, we are entering entering yet another game because Bogey finds in you know his game fact things he finds that there is this game with a theoretically unbeatable boss because the boss can only be beaten with a scripted move from a very weak character, mm-hmm. which Crystal would likely not have in her army. Which means that if they manage to convert this boss to their side, they could theoretically win the war in a single. In, in a single move. And so uh, Rad, Itty Bitty, and G.I. Guy go into the game of MoFo, <laughs> a 1990X game by Simeon Software. Wait, and this, this is just Earthbound. It's just Earthbound. <laughs> MoFo. MoFo. <laughs> this is Mother. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um. So uh, Rad is going because he's got ridiculous raw destructive power. Itty Bitty is kind of the healer. G.I. Guy is absurdly broken 
Uh, and yeah, as we see. As we will see very shortly. And so they all, because Rad is so powerful, we know that the RPG, which is normally just, they're going to be able to breeze through the game. They won't have to spend any time grinding. What do you think about this game? Because for the other ones, they were sort of archetypes, even if the titles were spoofing specific games. But this is very clearly Earthbound, which is a, a singular sort of RPG. That's a good point. Well, I like it a lot because I like Earthbound a lot. Um, it, it's just it's got more specific DNA and like uh, everybody loves Earthbound. Yeah, um, it, it's it's kind of like Kid Rat itself in like at the time very few people have heard of it, but anyone who did is like super hooked. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think this is just one of like it's one of the more concrete examples of Dan fanboying. Yeah, clearly he loves Earthbound, mm-hmm. which is great. And the spoof is delightful, especially with like the text narrator battles. Like, yeah, creepy yeah. guy was ripped a new one. Defenseless bunny was annihilated to the very cellular level. Yeah, and even though they don't have to grind, they're still halted by the arcane methods of progression. Like, <laughs> yeah. fetch quests. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we um, got the dryer lint, we walked Miss Conrad's three dogs, we, okay. Let's just, let's just move it along now. Uh, in one of the battles, we see G.I. Guy's disturbing abilities, mind control. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he, like takes control of a bunny uses it to kill another and then it commits suicide <laughs> yeah and everyone bunny else is like, passed honorably everyone else is like jeez dude just like come on well, why would you do that um he's also cryptic and weird because rad's like oh yeah i'm glad we beat up that annoying boss battle and he's like oh you enjoy violence typical Pitif- <laughs> poor poor tj <laughs> you're so weird <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And, you know, Rat is like, well, you weren't nice to that bunny. He's like, yeah, that's true. I wasn't. And just, like, doesn't feel the need to defend his own violence. Yeah, he's, he's just he's criticizing really someone weird. else's. Yeah. Like, like he's, he's definitely sinister. We just don't know how yet. He's the kind of guy who just walks off in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have more important things to brood about. <laughs> uh, I like that uh, because... We have all of these character motivation and philosophy-centered stuff, like G.I. Guy and Rad is coming up, uh, Narl and Kobayashi we just had. Dan is taking time to do dumb little jokes which spoof a game that he loves. Like, I, I know I keep saying it, but Are it's... you referring to that as his programming? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, he can't help himself? I, I mean, can, can, you, can you argue that? Like... No, I'm. It's, That's one thing I love about. Like, it's. I know I keep saying it, but it's an important thing to state is that it's staying funny while it ramps up the serious. That's true, and it's also um, fitting in more legitimate uh, uh, themes. In that, like Bogey says, Crystal's war is forcing everyone to follow their programming, which she should find extremely ironic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the irony of this webcomic increases pretty exponentially from here on out. So there's like a thing about that, like when you're dealing with something so complicated as like character motivations and what defines us, you can't help but be ironic. Just like you can look at it from any side you want and it'll look ironic. Uh huh. So like if you look at any character, you can create a, a reason that it's ironic that they're following their programming. Like there's just too much. There's too much content there not to be able to pull out what it, like it's numerology. You just pull out whatever reason that you want and it'll still fit. But Bogey, in a bit of uh, foreshadowing, uh, takes solace in the idea that he can help however he can. And maybe he'll be vital at a critical moment. 
Yeah, he, he pulls himself out of beta mailing to decide that he's determined to contribute however he can in a way that's like really weird because we kind of we haven't forgotten about Bogey, but we definitely have de- like it, it's, we're overlooking him. We're we're not focusing on him, but Dan is very intentional in that he's still a main character even though he's done nothing for a, yeah, quite a while. Yeah, these moments these moments where it's not funny, but they are foreshadowing something. I don't know. They they feel a bit forced. I didn't feel that way. I actually really liked it. Ignoring Bogey would be the wrong thing to do because his is one of the most important looks at trying to run away from your your programming. That like, is true. Like his is his is like the most relatable example of all. It's like yeah, we're born I'm, with these just... things that we're born with these limitations. These limitations hamper our ability to contribute in this thing that we want to do, and we have to learn to accept it. Like, th- yeah. that's so familiar. I, I just think it was a little less subtle than a lot of the other things that he's done in this, in that, um, you know, you read that, and like, oh, that's going to come up later. That's true. Like, I mean, I think it gets, I think it's okay. It, not because, like, we forget about it by the time it surprises us, but because it surprises us in such a novel way that it, it doesn't matter how they set it up. We knew he was going to be important, but the way he's important is still really cool. Right. Like the day ex machina or the 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 convoluted plots the convoluted presentation of it is building towards something that's really satisfying, so I I don't mind it. Yeah, at, at this point it's clear he knows what the finale is, whereas before that you could argue maybe he didn't. Yeah, he he's kind of looking to the future and he's like, there there is a thing that I will be able to do. I'm confident about that. Got to set this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, very much. Which just, um, like, definitely wasn't the case earlier. Yeah, right. <laughs> it worked out. I wonder, what, when do you think the part was when he realized what was going on? Probably when the seer started talking to them. That's the most obvious. I mean, he, he had to know a little bit ahead of that, but that was when it became clear, like, he that's when had... He sets, do- that's, that's when, when he, he shows that he has dominoes. Yeah. Like, that's, this, this is what we know we're playing dominoes. Yeah, exactly. That, that's when he sets the macro plot up in, in all the ways. Um... But All back right. in the game, yep. they meet Elliot. Who's just Ness. Right. <laughs> the name is a reference to Elliot Ness, um, the FBI agent who took down Al Capone. How do you know this? <laughs> I just... It's <laughs> comic books. <laughs> it's just a way to say Ness without saying Ness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a silent protagonist, but goes along with the party and teleports them to the end boss. Yep. And the boss doesn't want help because <laughs> he's a no, boss. Because of, so of course he doesn't want to help. He's a big computer program that sucks them into a battle sequence. It, the boss, Geniac. If you've ever played Earthbound and fought Gygax at the end, you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. He's just like this weird... He's just this incomprehensible force. It's just madness. It's just madness, the boss. And then once they're in the battle, they're like, what we have don't we have the skill that's needed to destroy him. Nope, Elliot's not the right character. He doesn't have that you know, plot skill that is necessary to beat this boss. Uh, <laughs> We're so, fucked. Yeah, pretty much. So they're forced to beat him the hard way, which which itty bitty is kind of like, it, it seems like he can kind of see the code behind the a matrix. Bit. Yeah. Not the least of which is because he reminds me a little bit of uh, Morpheus. But yeah, well, uh, they, they play that up in the fourth panel thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's able to recognize healing. Yeah, he's like the, he's, the, he's the, a white mage. The boss, the boss is rec- Yeah, the bosses were setting his hit points every turn. If we overload his hit points, if we can deal a ten thousand damage in one turn. We can overload him and get the secret ending. 
and, and they so do they, it. They all attack, and GI guy shows just how powerful he is. Yeah, he's just showing off. He's like, yeah. "Oh, that was very nice, guys." But you didn't need to. You didn't need to contribute that much. And he sacrifices his nine hundred ninety nine MP to deal nine thousand nine hundred and ninety damage in one blow. Jeez, <laughs> they're just like, "Oh my god!" What a show D- off, dude. What the fuck? Yeah, um, like, thank God he's on our side. But Elliot ends up joining them, so it wasn't a whole loss. Yeah, I, Elliot's one of those characters who's like, he could have they could they could have done more with him if they wanted to, but like it's it's weird how much they did and didn't do with him. Like Elliot seems oddly relevant, like plot relevant, especially later. But mm-hmm. the, he has no voice, right? Like literally and figuratively. Yeah, this more than anything, I think this segment was to develop the other characters and also just dan likes earthbound mm-hmm. like what, you, what you're gonna do video game spoofs and not talk about earthbound yeah like even forget if, about it yeah even if elliot's kind of a weird character to just ha- just to have there i'm i'm down with him just making earthbound references <laughs> and the idea of him being mute because of the game the, the kind of game that he's in is pretty mm. great more please yes <laughs> all right uh and then so they get out of mofo thankfully and we turn back to Narl and kobayashi for a minute super important for, for more shenanigans they're like we we need to practice in a more open space yeah let, let's find a conspicuously vacant plot relevant looking structure to practice in oh there's a good one hey you want to press some buttons and stand on a platform yeah check, check out all these machines <laughs> uh and they get uh chimerized chimera chimera i believe is the way you pronounce that that beast. Chimer? No. Yeah, Wait, but... Oh, Chimera. Is it Chimera or Chimera? I don't know, but I'm going to pronounce it Chimerized. I, I wouldn't say Chimeraized. I, I always said Chimeraized. Ugh, that sounds so bad. Yeah, well, I mean, yours sounds bad to me, Zane. I'm used to one of them and not the other. <laughs> well, they merge. Yeah, they, 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 they do the a Yu-Gi-Oh fusion card. dance and turn into a sprite that... <laughs> mm. I don't know... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this one. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, and like, as as anybody like watching a like a like a, I don't know, as as anyone watching a romantic comedy and loving both the characters and just waiting for the moment at which they recognize their passion for another, and they finally consummate their relationship by becoming one person, <laughs> and this is very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, no, I like these characters a lot. Their their interactions are very funny. Yeah. Um. And so GI reveals the macro plot of the game at this well, point. Well, they're the the party is contacted by Narl Bayashi, and Ugh. and Amp and GI guy recognize that oh, this is Chimera Point. Yes. A program made and abandoned by humans, capable of merging different sprites. Yep, and, and so, like, the, the macro plot operates on glitches, right? Everything important has to have happened with a programming glitch, because if a glitch didn't happen, this world wouldn't happen. So, a glitch gave Rad his superpowers, a glitch caused G.I. Guy, the original uh, escapee from his game, to be able to actually get out and found the moderators, and a glitch created Chimera Point, which he and Dr. Amp... Mm-hmm. Dr. Amp actually having a plot significance beyond being goofy Doc Brown. <laughs> uh, he and 
he and GI Guy attempted to make to uh, aid their their floundering kind of proto civilization um, by using this code. So, right. So yeah. er, early on in this sprite society, they made protos the, the city, days of yore um, for sprites to live peacefully. But sprites couldn't escape their violent programming, and they went on bloody rampages. And so, instead of removing their violent code, which might have killed them, they took volunteers, peaceful ones, to merge with the worst offenders. But instead, they got invincible murderers? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was... <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so the thing with the Chimera <laughs> Point is that you can you can pick and choose which of the... Which of the traits of the of the beings that you're jumping in that you're merging are going to be expressed? So you can have NPC invulnerability and tendencies, and that effectively erases the murderous impulses. But all of a they sudden, like, right. out of nowhere, it would just flip back, and no one knew why. So now you had invincible murderers running around, and they abandoned the they they like they trapped the invincible murderers, set them into a separate server, detonated it, and left Chimera Point in shame. And a lot of that is told in, like, a single comic where each panel is animated to tell a whole story. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, th um, this is also, like, far enough in the comic that we get panels that are, like, little animation things that are, like, surprisingly varied. Like, G.I. Guy is, is shielding against this one invincible murderer and then two and then a third one finally takes down his shields and then Dr. Amp drops a big glass bottle on him. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, pretty cool. But since they couldn't destroy Chimera Point, they went away and founded Hopetown with the moderators in strict control to prevent this sort of thing from happening again. And it worked until Crystal showed up. Uh, yeah. And so I, I wanted to point out uh, one thing here. Well, actually, two things. First, what analogy is there to chimerization in human society? Like, what, is exa what exactly does this mean? Um, you know, you could talk about how jail is intended to prevent the worst among us from ruining society, but really it just makes them into more hardened criminals. That, that's what I was thinking, but it, it doesn't quite get it's, the whole... It's not a one-to-one. -one. It, it isn't, no, and it's just... I mean, that that's okay. It doesn't need... Not everything needs to precisely fit into the same box. Um, I was just wondering if, if you could come up with a better explanation than that. I mean, it's almost like a Noah's Ark story. Like, God made man, man was bad, God killed man, tried again? Mm, maybe. It, it, that's not that's not quite it either, but, uh, I mean, either way, I, I kind of dig this twist. Um, be, because of one thing specifically, that GI guy says what happened to Protoss. Like, before they tried Chimera Point, when a bunch of sprites were told, okay, live in society, make your own way, yada yada yada. And then over absolute, this is this is the phrase. This is like the panel that like made it click so easily. GI guys like over absolutely nothing. Dozens of sprites started fighting and killing each other. And Rad's like, but why? And GI guy says, and in it's in italicized and punctuated. He's like, because that's what video game characters do. <laughs> There's no reason for it. It's just that's all they know. And GI guy sees this as such an intrinsic part of programming um that like it can't be removed you yeah. know it's it's not like fighting your destiny it's more of the gravity type the fruit is rotten <laughs> um and so we kind of learn how his philosophy extends when he offers to split 
um, Naro and Kobayashi back apart and takes Rad with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead brings him to an empty battlefield and starts attacking him. Yes. So the cue e- the villainous plan that he's been planning right from the moment he escaped from Crystal's clutches. Yeah. And so he, he starts attacking Rad to weaken him enough to use his mind control abilities. And there's some great fight scenes here. Yeah, these are really good. And GI Guy says that, you know, from his perspective, sprites will never be able to give up their programming completely. All games boil down to death and destruction. Better for everyone to die instead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's attacking Rad so he can mind control him to charge up to unfathomable power levels, destroying the internet in one blast. Destroy the internet. Just blow up the internet from inside the internet? So this is, the flavor here is great, but it does tread on the separate rules notion a little bit. Like, well. He's like, that's just how powerful Rad is. He has no max limit. But th- th- he's that powerful because of, like, where is the energy coming from? That's the, the that's the part that bugged me. Oh, uh, I don't care. I know you don't care, but, like, are we to believe that a programming glitch endowed Rad with power enough to destroy no, that? Like, that would be the, like a guy doing so many push-ups that he could throw the earth into the sun. No, Ben, the energy is coming from the same place the gravity does. That's my point. You're not limited by your programming, and when you're out of the game... You're not limited by anything else either. No, no, no. You're, you're. It's he's not in the game. He's in the place where games ex- like it's. Uh. No one could have predicted it. <laughs> All right, I, I'm letting it go. But like, it's a, it's a little stretchy. Uh, and GI guy shows us like just how much of a madman he is because he's like, now I don't know if the blast will also just destroy the humans as well. I hope or it if, does. <laughs> or if the computers will just be destroyed and they'll have to like kill each other. And have nuclear annihilation. I, I kind of hope it's the second one because they deserve to suffer. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> like, he's real matter of fact about it. Yeah, he, he. I mean, he's he's been wrestling with this shit for a long time, um, which we get a little bit more insight into later during uh, Soliloquy by Crystal. But for as far as this fight goes, it seems like this is the first time that true, truly skilled combatants have fought each other. And there's some great motions like. When Rad has to roll on the ground, and Dan uses square pixels to represent circles and angular momentum, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, 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 and it like slows down. Like he's running away from blasts, he rolls on the ground, he flips upside down. It goes in slow motion as he starts to fire back. It's it, it, a limited medium doing something that impressive is more impressive than a non-limited medium. Yes, absolutely. Like I, my mind boggled at just putting it into the spreadsheet yeah. like how is he doing this this is like the eyebrow motions in star trek the animated series <laughs> you like don't that, know how I, they did it oh that, that was a lot of effort just to do that little thing dude <laughs> um and gi guy mentions how powerful rad is saying like he's actually a bit a little bit stronger than me yeah but um, he doesn't have to fight fair which is so great because we've seen rad build up his power like compared to when he was almost getting killed by eggs yes <laughs> it's a great yeah yeah and i mean which is good we want our main protagonist to be powerful and to have earned it and it's a thing that a lot of a lot of games miss is the earning part mm-hmm. there's this guy i uh there's this guy i watch on youtube i've mentioned him before super eye patch werewolf or something like that super eye patch wolf yeah a stupid name but he's really good at kind of breaking down what makes an anime special mm-hmm. and he says that something that a lot of anime miss is the progression of power like the notion of losing a lot before you can finally win and this does it so well that we like 
every time that rad gets a solid hidden, we're like, ah, we, we earned that. Like we've been, we've been around for him cultivating this skill set, and now it's finally paying off. Totally agree. Um, and we don't know who's going to win. <laughs> like we don't know who's going to win. Um, and we, it's kind of put on hold for a second because the rest of the team goes to Kamara Point to unmerge Kobayashi and Narl. Mm-hmm. And when Captain Quarterback hears about Kamara Point, he's like, wait a second. I remember. <laughs> he's got he's got some intel that he's been holding under his football You see helmet. him like you see him like struggling to be like, "Oh god, I need to be useful right now." <laughs> um he says that if Crystal gets there, she will become all powerful. So, something something infinite power, something kill rad. I don't and know. They're, and they're like, "Why?" And he's like, "I don't I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> Not smart enough. <laughs> um and we cut to Crystal finding out that that's where Rad is and she's like, both things I want in the same place. All right, let's bring the entire army. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So but then uh, we see the resolution of GI Guy and Rad. Yes, and so I want to. The, the fight does end with GI Guy being able to take control of Rad's body with his mind control power. But I wanted to point out a little bit of the animation beats because I think they're really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, beside from the the fight animations being very good. There's like a, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of graphical consideration that makes it just pop a little bit more. So like, this is where they start keeping track of the life bar in a new way. Instead of having it on screen, like during the second Kobayashi fight with the letter that's being hit be blinking, uh-huh. uh, they do the fight thing. Rad gets hit. It blacks. It goes to black, and then it shows his life bar and shows the letter going down by one. Yeah, as like. The, the the pace has changed to be more dramatic. Yeah, it punctuates it very nicely. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also a nice fade out to red letters when GI guy is monologuing. And I don't know, I was just, I was, I was impressed by how just simple color schemes and removing the background assets could set the tone so much better. Like he's just like, and there was only one solution and then the background kind of fades and we just see his words in a black text box with red lettering. He's like, burn it all to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the little touches. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he, he charges Rad up, forces, them, forces him to fire off his power and destroy the net. And once again, we get Rad floating in the nothingness. Uh, also, Rad charging up, like his power is like manifesting physically into yeah, the world it's visible it's visible it's like this huge glow <laughs> like the guys in the spaceship can see it from miles away they're like oh shit what is that and it goes from this very bright to very dark uh transition where rad is is floating in his own personal purgatory because he destroyed the world rad destroyer of worlds <laughs> um it is revealed however that uh he did not no. Nope. Thankfully, his friends acted quickly. They when they realized what was happening, they self-destruct uh, their ship to limit the damage of Rad's beam to uh, the server that he's in, and manage to pull Rad out in time. Yeah, they they hop on board Narl's ship mm-hmm. and uh, sort of suicide run the high score with all the puzzle sprites inside, going going out in the ultimate combo. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Like, I mean, it was kind of cheesy. Like, it's like an undeserved dramatic beat. We, we, for yeah, we don't care about them. <laughs> characters that we don't even 
not only don't we care about them, they they didn't like exist as characters. No, no, they're just. It's like I lost my special hammer. Yeah, exactly. But the hammer loved what he did. <laughs> um, and we get a shot of the seer looking surprised, like, "Oh shit! That I did was... not expect Rad to meet GI Guy. Thank God they didn't ruin everything." Yeah. <laughs> Like, so, so apparently the seer is not absolutely omniscient, doesn't have perfect, like, like in the real world, doesn't, the perfect determinism does not exist. Um, but rather there is a barometric pressure towards uh, the <laughs> destiny of all things. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a few atmospheres of pressure, in fact. Yes. Um, uh, we also get a fun joke uh, when they realize that the server that they destroyed was uh, for telemarketing center. Sick burn. This is another thing. Amp says it was a human's workplace computer, so the only games would they would have would be like solitaire, which is nothing sentient. What the fuck kind of offhanded detail is that? They're they're just like we're not murderers, except for those soldiers in the other army that we killed. Yeah, like, like what? What exactly? What is it? solitaire? Like cards are animals in their world? Like, I, I don't know. It's so weird. Um. And I like Rad's analysis of G.I. Guy as their debriefing. He's like, he's like a lot of, of madmen. Mm-hmm. Somewhat accurate view of the problem, really insane view of the solution. Well, it's because he appreciates the responsibility of power now. Yes. Like, he, uh, he's been given a lot of power, and he can use it however the fuck he wants. And he realizes it's not right to just use it however he wants. Yeah, he, he doesn't know how, what the right thing to do is, and it'd be... Like, he's not that smart, and he knows that he's not that smart, so he's just like... <laughs> I'm going to trust what my friends tell me to do because they know better than I do, which is probably frustrating for him because <laughs> I love the idea of a, like a hero who could be a dictator, except he's afraid of messing it up. So he's like, give freedom to the people. Yeah, I, I don't want to get blamed. <laughs> it's actually like Red's not Red's, Red's not like uh, without insight and without uh, no. without thought processes like he knows that. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it it's it's very it's very weird because like he's trusting his friends to tell him what to do, but he doesn't like that the player would tell him what to do. But he's accepting that he has to break away from the player, except for sometimes when he doesn't. Like it's just it's not it's not he's nice got and complexity. Neat. It's messy. Yeah. Anyway, um, but he decides that the best way to stop Crystal is to destroy Chimera Point, which he uh, can which, do. Yeah, it, it was now he revealed. His power. So yeah, it was revealed that uh, generally when you know things attack each other um when, when when sprites attack each other nothing is no code is damaged they're just triggering like hurt death. and death subroutines but above a certain damage threshold it starts actually affecting the code itself so this yeah, is imagine if you punched so hard that gravity went away for a little bit yeah <laughs> that's what we're talking about it's it's quantum tunneling zane if you run fast enough at a wall you will go right through it that's right and uh so the uh what uh this is how the mods had been able to go inside games is they just basically used a giant laser drill rad it once he powers up enough could destroy anything including the internet itself or just chimera point um but they will first have to get through crystal's army that got there first and so the final battle begins yeah so we're 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 right into the we're into the last act you know the, the the final final showdown is about to happen, and they she has a moment where she's like, "We need to talk, Rad." <laughs> yeah, because her programming is like, "You're Rad's girlfriend. 
Yeah, but her other programming is like, you're not Rad's girlfriend. And she's like, I, I do have feelings for you, but it's isn't it hypocritical that I'm living out the role that my programmer intended? And and he, you know, he figured this out before everyone and just kind of telling them again and again, like, you don't have to accept or reject your destiny. But the fact that you're allowed to choose is what we're fighting for. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, we get another almost kiss. Yep. And then they realize, like, we're in a large room with, like, 80 people. Yeah, and it's, I, he retorts that Amp and Julie are, like, you know... They're happy. They're, they're happy as whatever father and daughter relationship they think they are. And they're fighting for not the rejection of the programming, but the option to reject it. So, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's sort of a, I'll defend... I, I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the lead-up to the final battle seemed a little bit rushed to me. Oh, like, we're we're ready. It's time to fight and now. And here we are. Yep. We get a shot of the whole team. That's kind of nice. Um, and they make up for it with, like, a variety of spectacle, which is a huge payoff for the whole find a bunch of special dudes subplot. Well, yeah. Well, I like it because it didn't happen the way you expect. No, we expected a bunch of characters that we don't know. They set out to find the unusual sprites, and they did, but not in the way we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's satisfying to a reader, like, that, oh, the the game-breaking characters that are coming with us to the end are the ones we've known all along it's so it's so much better than some randos it is but like you can't say that like it, it would we you can't just have it be like a it'd be a little too on the nose if this year was just like you must become stronger yeah like it, it had to be phrased as this no you guys can't do anything against and, an army an army no and we do get a couple of characters from games um they pick up these Island of Melba old men who uh, counterattack strongly if attacked. Yeah, just just from Zelda 2, literally. Yeah. Like the shopkeeps that kill you if you try to hit them. Yeah, but for the most part, it's characters that we know and semi-love. And we see them all in battle, getting action shots of each of them, nicely animated. Yeah, this is really cool. So Elliot is using telekinesis to levitate those guys as like a perfect blast shield. Oh, so good. (laughs) Um, That looks great. Sheena flipping to and from NPC mode to become immune to like a friendly fire attack that an enemy boss does. Yeah. And one of my favorite, my favorite thing is Narl and Kobayashi fused, like doing a fusion dance, which apparently they can just do now. (laughs) Yeah. The the side effect of being able to merge with another guy and like charge up a shuriken. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Doing a charge shot on a giant shuriken. Well, and it shows them in action, like jumping on top of a chain that a boss monster threw and like following the chain and stabbing the dude in the eye <laughs> yeah it's, like one it's pretty panel. cool yeah it, yeah he dan dan is pulling out all the stops he's he's using all the tricks that he's learned yeah we see captain quarterback who is getting beaten up yeah and doing another ultimate freeze play uh the white mages which are the nurse and itty bitty are using amps toaster inventions because <laughs> they can't fight but they can use items and items can do damage and um, Rad sends Elliot to go protect the ship, and Elliot gives him a lucky penny. Yeah, which is... A, uh, an item which will protect him from one shot. Yeah, which, considering he only has four hits, is extremely helpful. I thought he couldn't hold an inventory. Um, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I think it's I think it's just in-game he can't... Or, like, in in, in, in a game he can't hold that makes an inventory. Sense. Like, he still yeah, has no, hands, you know? Yeah. Um... But yeah, and, and this... Rad on his rocket board is the first to get inside Chimera Point. Yep. Where he meets a chimerized crystal. 
So Crystal, uh, there's a brief moment where she's reminiscing about being freed from her game by GI guy, and you know she really resented that she couldn't get out on her own. She had to have someone jump in and rescue her. Like this, this all of this fighting your programming nonsense that we've been dealing with with our main characters. Crystal has been on board with that the entire time. And we also learned that she didn't know about Protos, um, the first sprite society that went wrong. And so that's why she is, you know, committing many of the same mistakes that are leading to the wars. I like her. Uh, I like her viewpoint that there's only two types of people: the controllers and the controlled. Because that was what her role was in the game, and it was what the, her role was as a damsel in distress that was rescued by GI guy. And now that she has power, she's like, I'm not going to be a victim again. Well, it's also be... like the relationship between the player and the video game character. Like she's trying to ascend. Yeah, almost. Uh, and she does that by chimerizing herself with a bunch of powerful sprites just as the seer instructed her to and it turns her into a weird mecha moth thing yes yeah, queen bee type thing <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a Kong villain or something yeah and um unknown to her she also merged with the seer yep rad who has arrives. control over the body god the moment of shock here hit me so good the first time <laughs> That it's all caps, the silhouette of the seer eye in front of the monster as he says, no, no, Rad, you're not talking to Crystal, you're talking to me. And Rad, like, he's charging up, he's like, okay, you have 9999 hit points, I just need to charge for like four minutes. And he's like, no, 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 I have boss monster hit points and platformer hit detection, you need to hit me 9999 <laughs> times. Yes. Um, before we get into the actual Rad versus the Seer fight, there's a couple things I want to mention, mm-hmm. which is that, uh, the Seer could access, like, we, I want to get into his motivations here a little bit, because we know he's the cool Ragnarok virus. He was Y2K, and he chose not to Y2K everything. The villain of the story is Y2K. Yeah, it's Rad. <laughs> it's, it, it's Rad, and it's bad. The, the Seer could access human-made programs, but not the you know, weird intersectionality of Rad's level of cyberspace, you know, the place where all the servers exist, the, the place that we've been living the whole time. Right, and um, Seer so wants that. He Because he, he's a virus, he just wants everything to be infected and then destroyed. So it wasn't enough to kill every other level of programming, he also had to get Rad's world, and that's why he did this ridiculously convoluted plan. We recognize that he set in motion Crystal trying to kill Rad so that Rad couldn't blow up Chimera Point, but then realized that he could use Rad to get other strong individuals to Chimera Point by telling him that he needed to, you know, find exceptional beings with attitude. Well, he also, like, used Rad as a terrorist to, like, get the rest of the army on board. I hadn't thought about that, but it's it's pretty true. Um, But yeah, Rad could ruin his plans by destroying cyberspace like uh, G.I. Guy tried to make him do. Yeah. But the seer's like, no, no, no. I don't want to just destroy the world. <laughs> I want to destroy everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a good... So like, This is Crystal, escalation. Yeah, it's really good escalation, because Crystal was like the dragon, right? You know, you have the big boss, and then you have the dragon, like the, the second-in-command that doesn't realize that there's a second-in-command. And... When you when you get that realization that Crystal was just a puppet the entire time, like she's that she didn't know that and we didn't know that. Yeah, the understanding that you're fighting something that's as close to a god as you can get in this world, like everything's so perfect about the reveal. And before they fight, um, we see Bogey 
wandering the battlefield being ignored. Yeah. Because he's, he's not a threat. He's a minor enemy sprite. No one cares. And so he makes it to Chimera Point and sees this he's fight. He's got a front so, row seat. <laughs> so he is, he's, you know, the reader avatar right now, just watching like, shit, I am outclassed. Yeah, this isn't our fight. <laughs> God, I hope that one guy wins, but ooh, it doesn't look so good. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is the fight of Rad versus the Seer. And this is going to take a bit. So we really do have to do a play-by-play because of how much of a climax it is. Yeah, the the seer comes out strong and hits Rad. You know, we see that fade to black, R-A-D-D becomes R-A-D. And I, every time it happens, it's awesome. Um, and Rad says, I've grown so much, I don't get hit by the same move twice. He never makes a mistake again. Yeah, so... It, it underscores how much he's grown since the beginning, where, again, he's just standing there getting hit by eggs. Right, but we still know that he's severely under-advantaged. Yeah, that, that's true. He would just stand there and take it for a while. Yeah, he has to hit 10,000 times before getting hit four times. Right, and the seer has so many new strategies. He has multiple forms by virtue of being chimerized, and Rad's never fought him. So all the seer has to do is hit him with four separate attacks that he can't predict. Yeah, and, and Crystal Seer changes from Chrysalis to Borget, an android with a sword. <laughs> yes. Um, and explains how, like, I created a body to live in cyberspace now, now i want yeah. to create a body in the human world yes and just once to I, make sure i kill everyone well not just that because once once he creates a body in the real world and kills the rest of humans he you know he's hacked nasa's servers like this is getting really like yeah, bizarrely he just keeps escalating <laughs> this escalates bizarrely far like he's just like there's no reason that i can't travel to other planets and just keep killing forever <laughs> And and because this is still a silly game, he's just, Rad is just like, dude, you are definitely the sickest thing on the internet. And that's saying something. Uh, Yeah, there's great little scenes here that really monsterify the seer as well. Like, like little animation beats. Um, His eye avatar opens up and shows like this wicked tongue curling out of its sinister smile. Yeah, this this is some Kirby boss action. Yeah, like Dark Matter just showed up and shit got real. It's absolutely a Kirby boss at this point. And uh, Rad takes a couple more hits. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, Rad's trying to taunt him, trying to put on a brave face. But the Seer has one last attack that he manages to hit Rad. And uh, that's the fourth time. And good God, is that last shot intense. Like, he gets hit and time freezes and the scene (laughs) becomes monochromatic. Yeah, it's like they put up a filter or something. Yeah, we've never seen some, Rad die some before. Samurai Jackson. <laughs> yeah, we've never seen Rad die before, so this could absolutely be how it articulates. Like, it's really, really intense. And But of course, Elliot the had... smoke clears? Of course, Elliot had given Rad a lucky penny, so he does have one hit left. But the seer didn't know that, and it pisses him <laughs> off. Yeah, the He's seer like, is not happy. Why did I not know this? Yeah. He also doesn't he, he doesn't know that the, it was the lucky penny. He's just like, no, no, no. You have four hits. I hit you four times. What What is going on? He's never this, not known a thing before, and he, like, Mr. Hides. Mur- yeah, murderous rage turns into this tentaclon mode, which is like a black orb capped by two rounded pyramids, and tentacles coming out. Yeah, but he is doing... Again, a, Kirby game. <laughs> right, and, but he's just doing it blindly. Like, he's blindly raging out against Rad, and he's not, like, being smart about it, so Rad can read all of his moves. Yeah. So this is all the edge that Rad really needed. He just needed that last shot, and he needed to get underneath the seer's skin. Yeah, because the seer didn't realize that merging with the other sprites made him lose some of his omniscience. Mm. 
Yeah, but it, and it he realizes, yeah, he realizes it, it's like, okay, my omniscience isn't gone, but it's, I'm, it's taking me longer to process information because of all this, like, this stupid mortal baggage slowing me down. <laughs> um, so he does find out about the lucky penny and um, and and kind of calms down. By the way, it's really nice poetic justice, right? That he's become all-powerful, but of course, when you get... Like, it's the classic superhero absorbs another dude kind of conundrum. Like, he's becoming oh, more yeah. powerful, but he also absorbs their weaknesses. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're going to copy Superman? Great. Here's the red sun. Here's some, here's some kryptonite. Or just, like, some super hearing you can't control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my ears, ears are bleeding. Um, the others make their way to Chimera Point, and the seer, like, seals the exits, uh, trapping it, Rad, and Bogey inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he starts a countdown attack that will attack everything within range, automatically hitting Rad. He's got no chance. Yes, and it's it's at this point that Bogey says, <clears throat> "All right, plot, Dan, audience, I'm still. This is this is it. <laughs> this is where I come back in. <laughs> I'm important." <laughs> um, yeah, he Regis. He, he Bogey comes was in, playing the long con. He's playing from, like, the issue longest five. Con. Yeah, and I think he was like hoping it wouldn't happen, but he shows up and he's like. Rad might not be able to do something, but there's something I can do. And the series is just like, oh my god, no. I mean, like He catches on a little before we do. Because we don't yeah. think of Bogey as an... We don't think of him as a minor sprite NPC, or a minor sprite enemy, really. Not no. not in most senses of the word. He hasn't been for so long. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Like, he, he's just kind of been, um... He, he's he's just been, like, on the bridge, right? He he's he's been He's been Chekhov for a long time. He hasn't been, like, somebody... He, he hasn't been uh, Spock. He hasn't been, like, yeah. actually taking part in the missions. But Bogey reminds Rad, like, I am an enemy sprite, and some enemy sprites have power-ups that will heal you. I'm one of them. Yeah. Yeah. You have to kill me to get it. Okay, and it's actually really tragic. Like, we've gotten it to is. like Bogey. It's even worse because the, in order to help the cause, he needs to follow his programming yeah, he and be killed by to the be hero. Killed. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, and, and and Rad, in turn, has to shoot Bogey, and Bogey lines up to be shot. It's not even just harsh. It's almost, like, profane, you know? And when they fulfill their programming, Bogey moves toward him with the touch of death. Rad blasts him. There's a cold panel where the power-up stands on the ground, and it's so much more hollow than this character we've been watching for 500-plus comics. Mm-hmm. Um. And and because Rad takes the power up and heals, he's able to survive the countdown attack. And this was the one time that they didn't show the power up bar, like with his health. And uh, yeah, and it's because it doesn't matter anymore. No, it super does because this is the most Rad moment. <laughs> so if it showed R A D, like the actual word, like I wanted that. And oh. it's the one time he didn't do it. Because <laughs> because it would say like what I'm thinking, like yeah yeah comic. This is Rad. <laughs> That's almost a little too cute for me. Like, I didn't think... Like, I I actually think that it's fine. Because... It, it is fine. Well, I, I, I'm, interested I to, I'm interested to argue that point. Because um, up till now, it's all been, you know, it's all been this tense battle. Like, we don't know who's going to win, and every hit matters. And we've gotten to the point where it's no longer... We're no longer fighting. We're just following the narrative. And so it doesn't make sense to keep track mm. of the numbers anymore. We've already yeah, been told everything numerically. We've already been told all the quantities that matter. 
And yeah. all Rad needed was that one that one push over the edge, and now we know it's a done deal. So it's okay to me that they didn't show it. Although it does kind of break the the formula of it a little bit. It breaks the rules, but it's fine. I just I just want the comic to agree with me about how rad it is. It, it knows how rad it is. Like <laughs> it, it's the question of what is Bogey doing here is a really obvious one, and it's one that Dan absolutely wants the reader to ask before it's revealed what's going on. Yeah, like like, like everyone knows the score. Everyone knows how cool it is. Um, um, the seer is angry because again something happened that he didn't predict. Yeah, he's and just couldn't like, notice. I don't. Uh, first the penny, now the green guy. This enough, enough. Just chimerize me with Rad too, which is something that Rad really should have considered before walking in there. Wait, what did you say? Chimerize me with Rad too. Oh, two. Okay. Rad two. <laughs> yeah. The mullet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, he didn't realize though that Rad's allies are in the uh, control panel. Yeah, and he amp, gives amp them the passcode. He gives them the passcode, so they're able to enter the arena, and they all start attacking at once. Yeah, again, like another thing that the seer couldn't predict is that his own allies are not at the control panel anymore. And we have all of the Very characters satisfying. powering up and just wailing like, on the seer who can't do well, dick they, about it. They have it. this one panel where they're all in like this mosaic with their colors, and like the spirit of Bogey. <laughs> it's so over the top. <laughs> This is anime. It's, it's trying so hard. Like, it uh, is cool, but it's also trying very hard to be cool. <laughs> the spirit of bogey. <laughs> but the seer loses the last of his health, uh, but says that this is only a game death. I will still exist. Uh, yeah, and then it pans over to... Uh, and then he's just like, wait, unless... <laughs> and then uh, he's like, oh, and then it's revealed that uh, Amp is still at the control panel, meaning that he's calling the shots with uh, with with the Sears programming. Well, except he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do shit. He's just like, yeah, he was already fucked from the start. Like, the thing is, when you chimerize five different people and then try to, and then that guy dies, the subroutine for death articulates in five different ways at once. So it's, it crashes. It, it just crashes the seer. It's like, <laughs> get ready for the next battle, or skip to the ending sequence, or, you know, check your, or like, um, level up screen, or anything like that. And he doesn't, his programming doesn't know what to do, so he just crashes. Yeah. That's so poetic. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And, uh... And, uh, now we're into the wrap-up in the comic. Yeah, epilogue. <laughs> yeah, the, the mods are reinstated under Sheena, Amp, and Quarterback. And they all, they all go back to their lives, and... It's very somber, right? Yeah, they start to rebuild, but it's hollow given Bogey's death. Yeah, which is, I mean, like, that's a that's a minor... I mean, we kind of feel it, too. Like, he does a good enough job where it actually seems like a high cost. Yeah. You know, I, and among the characters that I like in this, Bogey's one of the tops, right? Yeah. It's like Bogey, Rad, Captain Quarterback, and Itty Bitty are probably my favorites. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Rad is grappling with the fact that the humans programmed him to be violent, and, and in the was. end, they all followed their programming. Yeah. But he remembers the nature of death in this world, and he asks Amp, where is Bogey? Yeah, so the, I love the flashback that he gets. He's think, he's lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did, and he says, if only we were in our original game, the damage could be undone. And he's like, 
wait a second. And it goes back through three different parts where this has been foreshadowed from the very fucking beginning. Maybe not the very beginning, but very far in the... From the first fight with Kobayashi. Yeah, which I think was just a joke. But the seer says, fool, this is only a game death. GI guy says, when sprites battle, they're playing with each other's programming and no code is actually damaged when he was explaining how rads, you know, could break that. And Kobayashi, when Kobayashi was saying, when, when... at the first part, Rad was fighting Kobayashi, and he's like, dude, have you actually any even killed anyone? And Kobayashi responds, mm, one half of a person. And he's like, how do you kill someone halfway? And he's like, um, he got better, which is just a dumb joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it, bring it back. But it, do, it does bring this idea that Bogey's not precisely dead. His death animation was triggered, and now he's, you know, intangible and invisible, but... He still exists. They just need to restart a ROM of Kid Rad in order to reset the death animation. But you would need to get a human to do that. And they don't know any humans. They're like gods. Except Rad. Of course, Rad has one contact, his player, from the very beginning of the game. So good. And he contacts him through instant messenger. Yeah. And he tries to convince him. He tries to convince them that the plot of of Kid Rad happened. (laughs) And the author's IM screen name is Enlightened One. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's he's making so much fun of himself. No, this is this is pretty great. Yeah, I love um, it. Uh, and he tries to convince him to bring Bogey back and to ask some hard questions because the entirety of the, the the of the comic has been why were we made this way and can we possibly do better than how the humans made us the- and rad asks his player and he's like i don't know man <laughs> yeah the player's like um you got to just try like you already know all of this you figured it out through existing that's how it works yeah uh, video game characters are made in the image of people people can be violent but they can also be good and it, it brings it back into that whole fate theme yeah yeah and then you know like i, I I generally dislike the notion of fate, but the idea of it actually being programmed, like I said this in the first part, where you if you abstractify something down to an easier to digest version of it, it is easier to play with that um, with that idea. This is yes, you know, philosophy one hundred and one. You use these you use these little mental games in order to figure out what exactly is important to you. You know, yeah, thought experiments, thought experiments, exactly. So like. Um, determining the viability of like determining the uh the morality of uh uh the trolley problem the 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 trolley problem oh yeah like though though yeah. yeah how do you value one life over another yeah exactly sort of thing. exactly and and does the does you pulling the trigger have an effect like does that make you culpable or is it better to just be passive about it like that's not a thing that you can get to very easily by by viewing it in those weird abstract terms, but when you give it this concrete example that is very far removed from reality, it's a little bit easier to deal with. And so we have all our sprites playing down with these very, very difficult to deal with philosophical concepts and actually doing a really cool job of it. And it, it plays in to the uh, uh, format because the next comic mm-hmm. you hit the next button that you normally you know goes a panel ahead this time the screen dissolves yeah and it reads how about it human and you the reader get to click start and bring bogey back to life yeah remember how we were saying about how uh remember how we were saying that dan likes earthbound yeah <laughs> like this is a great touch that's only possible in this form exactly yeah this is this is like 
why games being an art form works so well. Because we actually have a stake in what happens. Like, we're not just a viewer. We are contributing to this world that we love. And also, like, it makes you think back, like, oh, I was progressing the plot forward by hitting the next button. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm culpable in all that thing that happened. and that. Yeah. It, it fits in in a way, like, probably on more levels than it actually does. <laughs> like, I, like, I God, could go I love, into I it in more ways than structure. I should. <laughs> no, like, I, I could expand on it in ways that it probably wasn't intended. Probably. But... It's, like like it's I said, there's cool. enough meat in this philosophical concept that you can pull out any any determination you want, and it'll still yeah. make sense. Mm-hmm. But it, it it does feel very good to have the ability to to physically be able to be the one who resolved the plot. You know, the one who like I am the one bringing Bogey back to life and wrapping up this whole story in a nice little bow. And as our prize, we get this awesome ending animation with a great tune it's actually really solid like if you can so the music here is fantastic unfortunately it doesn't work so well in the html viewer anymore <laughs> listener <laughs> go to youtube you can find it if you've read through the comic and didn't understand why this ending was awesome go to youtube go to the last track and try to sync it up with the last comic <laughs> because it actually is worth it it's really cathartic yeah, and and we watch, we see Rad and Sheena going back in the game, and, like, the Rad of that game is there. And doesn't know what the fuck's going on, and then Bogey comes out, and this is our Bogey. He is delighted to see them, jumps into Sheena's arms, jumps into Rad arms, Rad doesn't care that it hurts. And then Rad goes over and hugs himself. Which is... Like, that, that's so touching. I know. I don't know what it means, but it's so uh, nice I to I had the same at. reaction. Like, I don't know why that's cool, but it's absolutely what <laughs> needed to happen there. Just, just kind of like the, we're all in this together kind of feels. And then we get the where are they now ending scroll. Which is fantastic. Uh, we see that Elfman from uh, Bunny and Chick Playland goes to the sequel. Yeah, I didn't really care about him. Girls. But what I did like was Kobayashi showing off that <laughs> that new death machine that he was building for Rad with two flashing lights and three platforms, moving platforms, <laughs> and being super proud of himself. <laughs> and Rad's like... Should I tell him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted I wanted a touching scene with Kobayashi and Narl, but I, I'll I'll accept what I can get. Um, and Dan thanks the reader. Yeah. And finally, we get Rad and Sheena going in for that kiss. And then getting um, pulled away yet again. They never get that away. kiss. And, and Bogey and Jewel kiss. Yeah, by mistake. <laughs> um, and we get a final panel with everyone in it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's Kid Rad. Yeah. Man, like, I, I can't remember a thing that I loved the ending to as much as Kid Rad, like, in recent memory. Like, oh, yeah. I, I was telling you how I just played through uh, Lisa, uh, yeah. the painful, which is is really disturbing in a lot of ways. And the finale to that is not perfect, but it's it's very, like, affecting. And, you know, you don't want to be playing it by the end of it. You're, you're like, I, I don't want to be doing what I am doing in this game anymore. <laughs> but in this... You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we get, and, and now he gets an infinite rocket board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's beating up, uh, he's beating up Narl effortlessly. And oh no, here comes Crystal. And the seer was behind. Oh shit! But Bogey's here to save the day. Like you're just yeah. super hyped for all of it. The hits keep coming. <laughs> they do. Like, things happen that I didn't know I wanted to happen. I know. 
he, he puts the idea in my brain right before revealing it himself. So I feel smart, even though I didn't do anything. But I wish I could have talked to him about it, like what the creative process was. I wish I knew how he was building up to things when he decided to do things, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's not a perfect product, but it is like damn strong narrative structure and the content is absolutely delightful. And the fact that, you know, such an impressive on several levels and cohesive narrative were done by one guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we look at other movies and we can say things we like or things we didn't like. There's something special about having that unified perspective throughout. Yeah. Yeah, like we, um, we really know what's important to Dan and it's what's important to me. So it And that also like adds to the mystery of like, why did he do this that way? Because, you know, you watch another movie you know, this person worked on that scene and kind of didn't have a lot of access to the rest of the of the film, you know? Yeah, well, it's it sounds, yeah, and this is, this is something that you get with songs a lot of the time where a person will say, this feels like the song was made for me, which is, you know, absurd and egotistical, but it makes it feel that way when you have it created by one person because one person is very easily t- easy to relate to. So, like, yeah, reading yeah. Kid Rad, it feels like it was made for me. Something else that I love would not feel that way like it doesn't feel like dishonored was made for me it doesn't feel like it's really good it has a mass appeal yeah but this yeah yeah but this this is just tugging at my heartstrings and hitting the dopamine centers on my brain and just it speaks on levels that i'm very receptive to yeah because i i've enjoyed sprite comics and games and meta jokes and you know that whole thing and it's expressed it's expressed very well. And it does mean that it's not going to appeal to some people. It won't be everyone's cup of tea. It won't be a lot of people's uh, cup of tea. Everyone I've shown it to, it's been their cup of tea, but that's a self-selecting group. Yeah, exactly. That's some that's some confirmation bias you got right there. <laughs> yeah, o- overall judgments. Zane, did you enjoy this? Did you enjoy this webcomic? Uh, yes. <laughs> Super yes. Yeah, it's a good 8 out of 10. You know, this is, it's, a, it's okay. Yeah, we'd play again. <laughs> we'd watch it. I've read it like five times so far. You, really, the only problem I have with it is I don't know how to recommend it to people. I have a, I have a few more problems with it, reading through it again. One, yeah. I think the lack of music is actually, it, it's harder to digest now that I'm older and can appreciate how much of a detriment that is. Um, and the philosophizing is a little tired by the end of it, you know? I, like they they do restate the theme an awful lot which is helpful the first time through yeah i think but, it might just be because i'm used to it and there were you know specific scenes they could have done without mm-hmm. uh, on the other hand the, abil- the the thing that i really focused on this time was the ability to juggle drama and comedy without really diminishing either one like it's really yeah, it's yeah. actually very impressive being able to sell the audience on what you want them to feel yeah yeah I think I've said everything I need to say. Uh, yeah, do... I, I think so. Zane, did you have a favorite character? Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like saying that Mario is your favorite character of a Mario game. Yeah, that's you know, not fair. Rad's just kind of, you're made to enjoy him in every way. I, I really like, uh, I really like uh, Captain Quarterback, though. Captain Quarterback is a solid comic foil. And Kobayashi is also very fun. Like both of them um, are kind of the same character, but they're they're a fun one. Itty bitty is is a great um, sort of a laid back approach to everything. Like he, you never really get the sense that he is under stress by these moral quandaries. Well, it's not his fight. He's got a stake in it, so he's going to help out how he can. But it's not his battle. 
Yeah, but you see, you get the sense like he's really enjoying what he's doing, no matter what he's doing. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have minded maybe seeing an offhanded comment about his introspection. We never really got one. He was very functionary. He's very utilitarian, but I, I never really knew how he. I guess. He was he was a shopkeep in the old life, and now he's a shopkeep in the new life. He hasn't really had to adapt, so maybe that uh, that uh, maybe that cuts down yeah. on it. My my favorite chunk is probably you know from Mofo, yeah, through the through the Rad and GI Guy fight. God, that's so good. <laughs> um, and then the final battle as well, but that's you know that's so long ranging. Yeah, that's not you know, that's to not narrow it down. Fair. I like that, and I also like the original rad trying to adapt to society and then just opting out i didn't like that as much as i enjoyed rad learning his actual own game like the very early early bits like i knew how he was gonna fail in real society no i I mean like i did as well but i liked it Hmm. i I don't know i just i liked seeing it yeah i I liked it i liked it a lot i think maybe uh one one thing that uh I, i don't know if i uh I don't know if Sheena was handled as well as she could have been. Yeah, I mean, when you consider that at the end of the, you know, by the time of the final battle, the female characters were a bee, a maid, a nurse, and a fairy sadist. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 not, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was like, Sheena became very, you know, capable in her own right, and, you know, participated in the final battle just fine. It's just, uh... I just didn't really. Uh, her her struggles were were kind of wrapped up in a pretty little bow pretty early on in that final quarter of the game. They were, but then once she got that split personality, uh, like her character development happened all at the beginning and end. Yeah, uh, it it was a much less well paced um, character progression. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it, it, so it felt a little bit like wrapped up early, but that's not necessarily wrong because. You know, as an NPC, as somebody who talks a lot, she might have just been more introspective than Rad in general. So, yeah, I, I think I think I'm out of comments. Believe it or not. Yeah, listener, go go check out Kid Rad. It's really good. Uh, if if you're into either web comics, I mean, we said everything that needs to be said, but yeah, if you're into either web comics or, I mean, yeah, like if you're still wondering whether or not you should check it out at this point, uh, you have done yourself a disservice, and there's no hope for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> done and done uh yeah uh, all right what are we what are we watching next time next time zane we're gonna return to form and then hopefully do some more cartoons that uh i would like to i think we've sort of gotten away from our mission statement a little bit we have been doing old cartoons but i want to do ones that i like haven't even heard of a little bit more okay so right now the next one that we're doing is not that um we're doing thundercats but i wanted to say to you that uh, i think we should maybe pick some other stuff that we're not really that familiar with afterwards well uh well i found after that uh, a show that i'm not very familiar with at all i know that you've seen it and i might have seen an episode but um we're going to watch daria oh nice yeah yeah that'll be Um, interesting i I figured that would appeal to your sensibilities more than my uh uh, than fruits basket would yeah you yeah you've got some (laughs) ground to make up there's no doubting that uh yeah, this, um, this is a good step. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this journey, everyone. Luck, good yes. luck on your own. And uh, if you have any comments or 
uh, want to suggest a show, if you have comments on the next couple episodes, go ahead and check us out on our Facebook page or at cartoncast.com, our website. Uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It really does help. And uh, tell your friends about the show. Yeah. And don't be afraid to turn off the game once in a while. You know, go, go outside. How about it, human? Mm-hmm.